welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Hey, everybody. And my middle brother. Crack one open for you. Oh, open it. Oh, that's a good start. What do you got? What are you drinking there, Michael? Barbasol, of course. <laughs> drinking a cool, tall glass of Barbasol. <laughs> now comes in a bottle. Mm. No, what actually is it, though? It's like a chocolate stout. Ooh, nice. Heavy. Good. Sophisticated. And by my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn, who's joining me on the pod. Hey, guys. Sorry, I had to get that joke in there. Yeah, yeah. No, that's reasonable. You undermined your own introduction just to make people laugh. I respect it. Um, so we're transitioning into the off-season programming. We're planning on being um, able to do a podcast once every two weeks. Um, it's turned out that there's been plenty of stuff that's happened in the Browns. Um, sphere and there'll be plenty of stuff to talk about um most off first of all there's plenty of stuff to talk about just in the nfl in general the yesterday was one of the most exciting days of football that we've had in quite some time did each of you guys get to see that end of that viking saints game i can't remember watching two games that were more fun to watch on the same day of the playoffs than those two games yesterday Living in Jacksonville at the moment um everyone is like beside themselves they certainly picked the right time to like wake up and have their best offensive performance of the season. <laughs> I mean, it was unbelievable. Like their offense won the game. Ben Roethlisberger threw for over 350 yards on that defense, which is the top pass defense in the NFL, and they still won the game because they put up 45 points. The Jags their offense, offense accounted for 38 of those. If you told me that the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to score 38 points on offense, like there's no way I would have believed you. Against the Steelers' defense, too. Like, that's the story, is how many points the Jags... Well, they're weak without Shazier. Like, they really are not the same defense without they, Shazier. They don't have the linebackers that can cover. Their linebackers are limited, and their secondary's never been good. Like, right. M- Mike Mitchell is what he is, and he's limited. Joe, Joe Hayden's pretty Ouch. bad at this point in his career it was like bad yesterday it i was mean, bad i was like having a hard time cheering against it's him, painful but Artie, i kind of was cheering against him Artie burns is pretty good but he's he's just like a pretty good corner in the nfl like could start for probably most teams and yeah. not be a downgrade but that's not enough to have a, a really really good defense in this league and they've got they've got watt and they've got dupree and they've got some good defensive linemen but that's not a lot when you're this deep in the playoffs trying to yeah that team's changed a lot since week one of the Steelers season um they're that defensive unit at least um so watching Joe Thomas exactly like you were saying Michael I was or Joe Hayden sorry I was Joe Joe Thomas Joe Thomas is not around Joe Hayden I was cheering against him it's kind of like a Trent Richardson situation where I just wanted to know that we made the right decision like I want Joe Hayden to be bad because I want to solidify um he got beat pretty bad a few plays in a row Single, during yeah. one like um, sequence in the second half. Just but that really wasn't anyone. even the story of the day. Like as ridiculous as Jacksonville was, like the I think there it's being dubbed the Minnesota Miracle, which yeah. I think is is the right name. That is the official um, term. I mean, as we all know, I picked the Saints to go to the Super Bowl, and so I thought that my prediction proved to be quite good. Until that freaking Stefan Diggs play. Until you were wrong. Uh, Until you were wrong and the Vikings moved on because they were the better team. <laughs> I mean, what a game. Like, <laughs> tail of two halves, and then the Vikings redeemed themselves at the very last second. I just, I couldn't believe it. That Yeah, that play was so ridiculous. I was in a restaurant having dinner, and it was like a nice restaurant, not one where everybody's watching football. And even that, like, stopped everything that was happening in the restaurant. And everybody, awesome. like, just couldn't believe it what what had happened and like then you watch the replays and you're just like holy crap well it was the well, first it was, it was the first play. play it was the third down play a, hope was lost it was the first playoff game to ever end on a last second on touchdown a walk off like a walk off touchdown. touchdown that yeah. never happens in any game much yeah. less a playoff game yeah. so like the ridiculous thing about it was is that it seemed like there was a path to them getting to field goal range and first and second down were just terrible like, they didn't get anywhere close to converting on first or second down. And so then you're like, oh, crap, they've got to do it on this play. But I think they had 15 yards or something to gain to even get the oh, first down. Yeah. Or to get and, in the field goal range. They, no, they, field had, goal range. they had like 30-something yards to get the field goal range. Because where he caught that ball was the 35-yard line. 
Like yeah. if, if he had gotten stopped, like even if he had made the catch but gotten stopped right there, and even if he'd gotten out of bounds, like that so would have been a 52-yard field goal. Yeah, I mean, the whole mentality going into the play was they've got to throw a deep shot down the sideline and get out of bounds. And so they threw the deep shot. You saw it released. He catches the ball. And, like, the roller coaster that ensued from there was ridiculous because you see him catch the ball. And you think, get out of bounds. The defender flies by, and it's like, get out of bounds. Like, and then he starts running upfield, and you think he's absolutely crazy because he's going to get tackled and the game's going to be over, and he just keeps running. It was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, I know Joe Banner was pretty vocal on Twitter blaming the defensive coordinator for the call. Um, and some people disagree that it was the the safety's fault, Williams, whatever his name was, he needs to make the tackle. But I agree with Joe. Like, you can concede 25 yards on that play and you still win that game 100 times out of 100. And you only have two safeties deep and all of your other defenders playing shallower than that. Like, you're opening yourself up to – something like that happening or somebody making an incredible play. If you line up six of your defenders at the 40 yard line, there's no way heard, that comes through. I, and, I heard Mike Lombardi talking about it. And apparently they had had that same exact coverage and the same sort of offensive set multiple times earlier in the half. And they were, it's just the aggressive. That's just how they were playing it. And he just took a terrible angle on that. His timing was way was, off. And like, he just ducked just his head. Bad. Just, you Pick look, your head up, son. Like, you watch that over and over again, and it's just so sad to see the safety him miss. Because he was the one that had the interception earlier on in the game that got the Saints an extra seven points, I'm pretty sure. like He, well, he, was in he had a great game. He was in the exact right position. I think he got if, scared. If he was, if he had seen the ball, he could have made the play on the inside. Instead, he went around the back. Like, it made no sense. Yeah, no, I feel like he got scared he of, like, pick. I feel like he got scared of making, like, an early hit and have, yeah. like, a get a penalty thrown on him and then have them get the ball right there, get a pass interference. But even there, like, and he you got to know the situation and know that, like, just think, literally, like, stop him. Because like, yeah, even front. if you give him the catch and you tackle him inbounds, the game is over. Like, literally just play it, like, as safe as possible. Like, square him up, <clears throat> shield him. Like, he was going for, like, this, like, knockout hit to break up the pass and that's not what you need in that situation but once he already got ahead of steam it was running straight at him and then he realized he might be a little bit early the timing was off and and i think he thought that the ball was gonna sky over because stefan diggs had to go up and get that ball he thought that there was a chance that it wasn't even gonna get caught and then he was gonna get a a penalty and so he let off and then he took then he took his own guy out and ruined it like like (laughs) the the trail get the trail defender got taken out it was ridiculous um oh man I mean, I can't think of a better ending for a football game. That was unbelievable. Oh, no, that was... That was very Brownsy, wasn't it? Like, for the Saints? Oh, the Browns would lose that way, for sure. Oh, yeah. If the Browns were in the playoffs... But in, like, the Super Bowl. Yeah. But, like, in the Super Bowl, (laughs) not in the second round of the playoffs. Unbelievable. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, these these playoffs have been fun. I mean, it's been fun um, rooting for Jacksonville. Um, Got to pull for them. Yeah, it was pretty fun. I was rooting for the Titans to beat the Patriots, and uh, we had a good... I had some people over to the house, and we had a good first quarter. Uh, one exciting touchdown catch. And then legitimately the rest of the time, I had a bunch of Titans fans, like 20 people over at my house, all wearing Titans jerseys. We celebrated one time the whole game. Mm. There was one celebration, and the rest of it was a huge downer. I mean, it's par for the course. It's about what everyone expected. Uh, I can't believe the Titans won last week. but I was pretty happy with that game because it went just like I expected it to, and I got to go to bed at halftime. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nice. That's always a win with three kids. Yeah. So we had all of our Super Bowl predictions on the last podcast. Um, no, none of us are going to be 100% accurate. All of us have at least one of our teams knocked out. I have both of my teams knocked out. Matthew, who'd you have? I had the, the Rams and the Steelers, I believe. The Rams and the Steelers. <laughs> the Bummer. Rams proved to be a terrible prediction. Yes, yes. Um, and Michael, who'd you have? I went with the Saints, which I almost had right. And the Patriots. If you'll notice, Michael has pretzel in your mouth. Michael has a mouthful of. (laughs) Michael insists on eating on the podcast. He backs away from the microphone and just enjoys him. Um, Some pretzels. I had who did I have? I had the Vikings and the Steelers. Unfortunately, the Steelers lost, but I'm still holding strong to those Vikings prediction. My thing now at this point is I want to see teams that have been historically bad win the Super Bowl. Like, just to, like, give me, prop up my own false hope that yeah. the Browns might eventually be good. Like, 
so I, what I'm looking for is I'm looking for a Jags Vikings Super Bowl. It would also be great to have the Super Bowl be in Minnesota and have the Vikings playing. Like that's just a I love that storyline. Like players get to sleep in their own beds the night before the Super Bowl. Like that's huge. I don't think they even do that on home games. I think they sleep in a hotel. Yeah. For consistency's sake. Well, j- yeah, just to make sure everybody's like together and whatnot. All right. Well, sleep in their hometown you, hotel. Yeah. That they stay have for home games. <laughs> well, that would that would probably be true. Yes. I I heard that like the not like the Vikings fans of Minnesota necessarily, but it would actually be bad for Minneapolis if the Vikings were in the Super Bowl because they wouldn't get, get the, same the revenue that normally comes along with a Super Bowl of everybody coming into town and doing that because right. nobody would have to travel and like rent rooms. I mean, I'm sure it would be nuts like downtown. So you'll probably yeah. still get like the restaurant revenue and stuff, but like the hotels and hospitality and revenue and all might, that might be done, but I don't care about that. I don't live in Minneapolis. Yeah. I want to see I, it. I, I literally couldn't care about Minneapolis's economy in any way. Whatsoever. I think it'll just be different revenue. Like it'll, right. it'll just change. In fact, you're exactly right. It just would be shifting outside of normal, like I mean, and you cannot quantify like how valuable that would be to the psyche of that city to have their team there for a hometown it's Super Bowl. Not like, a that's big like city. Invaluable. It's not a big city. And you'll also have people coming from other places in Minnesota and around that part of the country who are Vikings fans, like pouring into the city. So, I so bet, I, I think it. I honestly, it's I bet, hard for me to believe that it would actually be a negative. I bet it'll spread the economic impact out as opposed to like localizing it directly into the yeah directly true. into the city. And I gotta imagine that they're gonna be in the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, the Eagles like they might be able to pull off another win, but they squeaked I don't see by. It the the only reason that I don't see them beating the Eagles is Case Keenum's terrible when you get pressure in his face. Oh, and the Case Eagles... Keenum's amazing and the hero of the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> Uh, but if you that Eagles D line with Fletcher Cox and the other guys that they've got going on, Brandon Graham, Vinnie Curry, whatever, Chris Long, um, they're good at yeah. putting pressure in your face. Coming from up the middle with Fletcher Cox and Timmy Jernigan, like they could get to Case Keenum, and if he gets flustered, the Vikings don't have much of a running game at this point. That's like the thing that, two top yeah, five defenses. Of the Vikings is, running game. People aren't talking about the fact that Dalvin Cook went out in no, like week five. It's incredible. Like Can you imagine if Dalvin Cook was still healthy and playing on this team? They would be so freaking good. It's unreal. Not having to use just Jared McKinnon and Latavius Murray. like I know. Yeah. They both look pretty good in that game, though, from from where I was it's sitting. It's the right balance. Like Those two guys like complement each other well. They can yeah. like use those two in their, like, their defined role and yeah. get by. But mm-hmm. it's nothing like what they'd be able to get from Dalvin Cook. But those are two of the best defenses, definitely that are left. Um, both of those, like I don't know where the Eagles' oh, the defense Jags. ranks. The Jag, the Jags defense is the top. Jags defense. Okay, so Jags is one. Vikings is two, isn't it? Yeah. Then... And Eagles is right there behind. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. The Jags are Jags are number one. But that proves that proves and, the and old a adage. Jags Vikings Super Bowl. There might be like that might be a three to zero victory. <laughs> or a 45 to 42 the Jags scored 45 points last week I know but like some of those some of those Bortles throws like down the field to Cole whatever his first Keenan Cole or whatever Cole. like late in the game Artie Burns and Joe played those ball terribly like that had no business being completed yeah and it got them down to the one yard line like I don't. I don't buy into the All right, Jags you know offense. what? I'm on. I'm on the train of stop throwing Blake Bortles under the bus. Look at where he's at right now. Granted, his defense had a huge part of it, but he got them there. There was that big third down conversion where he went through all four of hey. his progressions and threw it to T.J. Yeldon perfectly in stride, and they picked it up on third and yeah. ten, yep. no, which was, was a throw. big conversion in the game. Like he, you got to give Blake Bortles credit. You got to give him credit. Like. And Case Keenum, did you see what he did and at also, the end of that Saints also, game? Also, like running Blake Bortles is the best Blake Bortles. Like him, right. him scrambling and not being afraid to get outside the pocket and take yep. a hit. Like he's a huge dude who's actually he's like sneaky size. fast. Like that's what he's been doing the past like six or seven weeks, and it's been working out a lot better so, than Blake which Bortles. Which is one of those things that wins playoff games when you are convert hard third down conversions with your quarterback running and being scrappy, like. 
That's how you make it to a Super Bowl. Hey, like You know what? Playing smart and not turning the ball over is the biggest thing for Blake Bortles. Like, when he was asked to throw the ball 40 times a game last year, like, that gets him in trouble because he's starting to force passes left and right. But when he can contain himself and not force bad passes, like, they're going to win games because the rest of the team is phenomenal. The rest of the team is phenomenal. Matthew, you were saying you kind of wanted that – you wanted the Jags to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Because then it would give other teams incentive to go by the same formula of yeah, trying to win. No, it. no, I didn't say I wanted that. I just said that <laughs> I I think it would be great if the Jags won the Super Bowl because there'll be like two years of the NFL being like, you know what, quarterbacks aren't that important. We just need to go get get a, get a great defense and we'll be good. And it'll just be like these like the Jets will like forego the quarterback altogether and just go all in on their defense. Just trying we can to win mimic. with Hackenberg. Yeah. Hilarious. Like, whatever. Per- percent chance the Jets draft Lamar Jackson at six. I like Baker Mayfield to the Jets if we don't if we don't end up with Baker. Like I, I, I think that's like a perfect fit. I wouldn't be surprised if Baker went to the Broncos. That would that's be good too. Pick. But so speaking of the speaking of the Jags and the Vikings and whatnot, I've heard a lot of people compare the Browns the Browns to the Jags and talking about how um, the Browns need to draft Saquon Barkley because look what the look what the Jags did. They took Leonard Fournette, and now like, oh, he yeah, was he was this great running back, and now he's doing this. And here's my thought: is like, yes, Leonard Fournette has been great, but if you put Dalvin Cook on the Jags, who was drafted same at story. the beginning of the second round, like that Jags team yeah. is exactly the same, and Dalvin Cook is just as freaking good. As Leonard Fournette is. Completely agree. I don't think the reason that the Jags have been so good is because of the running back position. No, I don't think any team, the reason why they are so good ever is because of the running back position. Is that too much? Like, is that too much to say? The Jags would not be where they are. Maybe the Saints. If you took Leonard Fournette off the Jags and they were just rolling Chris Ivory and TJ Yeldon out there, they wouldn't be where they are. Like, I think Fournette actually does. Like, but... If you add any like skilled running back to the Jags, yeah. they're right where they are now. And Dalvin Cook would would fit that bill, and he was drafted at the top of the second round. Yeah, the point is you don't have to take a top five guy. You can take a second, maybe even third round guy. Like I mean, freaking Kareem Hunt was a third round pick. Like you put him yeah, on the I Jags, mean, and they're probably in a similar boat, right? What's the kid's name in Chicago? Jordan, whatever is Jordan was a Howard. fifth round pick. Jordan Howard. Um, props to John Dorsey for drafting Kareem Hunt. Proud of you. Um, All right, let's t- let's talk let's, about the Browns. No, yeah, let's talk about the Browns. Okay, but so the Jags are obviously moving. Wait, ahead. I thought we were going to talk about the Browns. No, 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 no. This is this is this is an intro to talking <laughs> about the, the Browns. Tra- okay, transition. So the Jags are moving on to the AFC Championship. All right, this is 2017. 2016 Jags were not anywhere close to the AFC Championship. 2016 they had the fourth worst record in the NFL. 2015 they had the fifth worst. 14, third, 13, third. 2012, they had the second worst. 2011, they had the fifth worst. So that's the past six years. They have been Browns-level bad, right? You you experienced it. How long have you been living in Jacksonville, Michael? Six years. So you've exp- you're the problem, really, is what I'm what no, I'm they think They think that they have the worst team in the NFL. Like, coming into this year, they've, like, they, like, act like they have been suffering more than any other fan base that there is. And I just laugh Hilarious. every single time that I hear it. Um, but so it took them six years of these high draft picks um, to gain the talent level available, like that was available to them, and get them enough experience to be able to get on to this level of uh, a championship caliber team. Because that's really what they are. Their defense is a championship you have to caliber take team. Take into account the free agent signings because the this free year, agent signings like that they Church have have been and... significant. And it's this is like their second wave of free agent signings since this Dave Caldwell regime has been in place. Um, and you can't discount any of that stuff because Calais Campbell and uh, Barry Church, all those guys that they signed, and A.J. Boye, like, those guys are the reason why they have taken it to the next level. It's a huge part, season. but also, like, Jalen Ramsey drafted the top of the draft. Huge piece. Like, all these pieces are the foundation. You, yeah, you Miles may Jack, Telvin Smith. Miles Jack. Yeah. Like, a first round talent they got in the second round. Still upset that we didn't draft Miles Jack. Um, but, but you know what the difference is? It's getting Kelvin Smith in the fifth round. It's getting yep. like um, in Gakwe in the third round. 
it's those players. Like you can yeah. hit on the Jalen Ramseys and the Miles Jacks, but if you're filling in the rest of your roster with like garbage replacement level players, this Jacks team is not nearly as good. Even if they sign all those free agents, it's right. the Telvin Smith and the Ngakwe that you basically got for free because of what you spent to get them that like make this team so nasty. Like they and, drafted Fowler and he's their like situational pass rusher. Yep. Cause they got Ngakwe and he's just a monster. Yep. Okay. Yes, exactly. But it's taken them all of these years and all of these draft picks and all of this capital and the free agent signings and stuff like that. But you have to, in order to like court free agents, you have to have a good base to your team where free agents think, okay, I want to be a part of that. I want to join in on what they're doing right there. So it took them six years. The Browns in the last three years or so have had just about, including this draft, will have had just about six drafts. Yeah, not quite. But yeah, at least first about- round, at least first rounds, we've had six. We've had two first round picks in the last three years. We have two this year. We have three second round picks this year. We will have acquired about. So we we will be right about at that precipice of where the Jags are as far as draft capital that we've acquired. Granted, we haven't done the same free agent signings. We are just fired our front office and brought a whole new one in. They've had consistency at the front office. They fired their coaches. Um, not their, not replacing their front office. So, like, there's a consistency problem there. But I would argue that we are on a similar precipice, and I think that Sashi Brown is the reason why we got there. Would would you argue that? Like, I think we don't have the same experience level, but I'm I'm not near. It's it's too early to tell. I think because I'm not nearly as excited about like our late round picks as the the Jags ones have turned out to be. Um, but I think we have a chance. I mean, if if you look at this free agent class and you say, all right, go sign up like the top pass rusher. So that would be like Ezekiel Ansah. Go sign the best corner, which should be like Malcolm Butler or Tremaine Johnson. Um, add those to our mix. Go draft Fitzpatrick. Go draft a quarterback. And then go draft a running back at the top of the second round. Suddenly you're looking a lot like the Jags. Like you've got – really good players at every level like you're feeling pretty yeah. good about that. get a new head coach here in the afc championship exactly game. like yeah no joke or or do a jags fire your coach and just promote somebody who's already on the staff and keep everything else together yeah. which how funny is wh- that like I know. how funny is that like what they basically did is they promoted their offensive line coach kept their coordinators exactly the same so like Basically, their head coach in waiting was sitting there, and they said, Gus Bradley, we don't like you anymore. So here's the thing. Is it actually Gus Bradley's fault? Like, how good would this team be with Gus Bradley, or was Gus Bradley actually a problem? I really do think it matters. I really do think it matters. Wait, so you think it's a mentality thing? Yeah. Okay, well, I would argue that the only good thing about Hugh Jackson is the way that he motivates the players and his mentality. Um... He makes them feel good and they'll play hard, but I don't think he's got them driving in the right direction. So like he's got them. Well, then it's a coordinator, hard, well, then... but he's not. He's not guiding them down the right path. Well, then it's a so, coordinator like, they might problem. Be happy with him, but like it's not resulting in wins. Like if he was, if if they were playing hard, they're talented enough to win football games. So Certainly. like I don't believe in Hugh Jackson. I I it, I do agree that. He, He's on the player's side. The players are behind him. I'm not going to ever doubt that. But he's not driving them in the right direction because if he was, we would have a couple Ws. Who's our offensive line coach? He should just be our head coach. Uh, Bob Wiley. Bob big, Wiley. Big fat guy with a big mustache. I love it. Perfect. Okay. But so, Sign him up. No, but here's here's my thought. If it actually is like a mentality thing, and Hugh Jackson, you say he's not driving them in the right direction. But if he's driving them to playing hard and he's a decent leader where everyone's standing behind him and believe, like, trust me, I'm not on Hugh Jackson's bandwagon. Like, I'm not. But, like, if we actually hire a new offensive coordinator and get him calling the plays and have him running the offense, like, do you think that we can serviceably be better and win some games with Hugh Jackson? Here's the thing I think Hugh Jackson's best role is being an offensive coordinator. Like, I. I have a hard time accepting that getting like a second rate offensive coordinator, like Mike Malarkey, who's being like reported right now. That's a head coach. Is going to, is going to help us. 
Like, I don't think that's going to help us. Like, honestly, I would rather somebody come in that is going to, like, manage the clock and make sure all of the pieces are in place and that, like, our ship is righted and have Hugh Jackson as our offensive coordinator. Like, I don't have a problem with him calling our place. I have a problem with him leading the enterprise. And I... I just don't think that any offensive coordinator that's available right now, whether it's Sean Ryan, whether it's Mike Malarkey, anybody is going to come in and like make things all of a sudden better for the Browns. Like Hugh Jackson's going to be just as involved on the offensive side of the ball, because I don't believe for a second that he's going to give the keys to somebody else fully. So I don't really think day to day and week to week, it's going to be all that much different, even if he does hire an offensive coordinator and let them call the place. Yeah. Well, there there was a lot of offensive changes um, in the past two weeks since we did our last podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, last last offseason was the season of firing the defense. We brought in <laughs> Greg Williams. This offseason is uh, the offseason of firing the offensive staff. Everybody but Hugh Jackson is, is to blame. Gosh, he's such a weasel. Like, uh, seriously, that's he, exactly he what's happened. He's the definition of, like, someone who just hangs around because... He's a weasel. Because he's a weasel. And, like, he just squeaks his way by. Like, how, how does he feel good? When he looks back at it, he's on his deathbed, right? He's laying there, and he's like, man, I'm so glad that I could convince people to keep me around when I didn't deserve it. <laughs> like, he's like, man, that was just, that was my best asset. Was, and I was good at it. That was, top, was no, top-notch Hugh Jacksoning. <laughs> yeah, great. I'm a great manipulator. I love that about myself. But... Seriously, they have got rid of the entire offensive staff, essentially. Bob Wiley actually is still there. Offensive line coach has not been fired. But the running backs coach, Kirby Wilson, has been fired. The wide receivers coach has been put to a nice little title of um, special projects. And I don't even know, like assistant head coach or something. I don't even know. What? Sounds like a promotion what are to they- me. They're- what are they scared of? What are they scared of that he's gonna like go tell somebody? Like I feel like that's what you do when you can't <laughs> fire somebody. You're like, here's what hey, I don't we're understand. gonna just Assign give you, you a different special title. project. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your special project is not making us look like a jerk. Don't tell everyone no, what Hugh Jackson's like, done. Like Hugh Jackson's, <laughs> I think he's like Hugh Jackson's grandfather, and there's no way he would ever coach for anybody else, and so they're just gonna give him like a a little title to stick on the Brown staff and ride out his days. I mean, the guy's like 72 or 73 years old. Is he really? But like, yeah. Oh yeah. That's Al Dick Lebeau is, level. Is like 73. No, Dick Lebeau's older than that. No, Dick Lebeau's like 90. Um, so Plus or minus five years until Dick Lebeau dies on a football field. <laughs> Seriously. Under. Okay, I'm changing I'll take the, the under. under. I'll take the under. under. He's too old. Like just statistics. Statistically, it says <laughs> that First of all, the first statistic is that he will certainly be on a football field the majority of his life, remaining years. He's he spent the last 70 years of his life on a football field, so obviously <laughs> that's where he's going to be. Secondly, statistically, he's going to die soon. Yeah. Okay. All right. Moving on. Sorry. Right, we no, were talking no, no. about so the here's Browns. My, here's my thinking on the offensive coaching hires. How does it make any sense that Hugh Jackson is hiring these position coaches when the offensive coordinator is not in place? There's not, gonna be, there's not going to be an offensive coordinator. No, he won't you know do that, it. right? Yeah. He's, he's, like, he's hiring start... all these people, and now like, we're linked to this like TCU running backs coach, co-offensive coordinator. He's going to bring him in and be like, oh, he's going to be a running backs coach, and I'm going to give him a little bit of say in what we're going to do. And Hugh Jackson's just going to call the freaking offense like he always did last year and hope that nobody complains because he brought in all these new offensive people. Yeah, and he released that statement saying, I will hire an offensive coordinator, but I won't relinquish play calling – Unless it's someone who's proven. And then he's going to be like, I'm going to hire the least proven person that I can possibly find. Yeah. Uh, oh, TCU. I, oh, I went and found like, a guy from college. Yeah, I went who, and found a guy oh, from college. He's not proven yet, so I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah, and I'm it's for the benefit of I'm the doing. Browns. Like, I'm so tired of Hugh Jackson. Like, I just wish we had fired him and literally hired anybody. Instead, we fired Sashi Brown. Literally, like, bring Mike Petten back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, and that's a good transition. Did you hear what Joe Thomas said about Mike Pettin? Like, on Joe yes. Thomas's new podcast, like, he was talking about Pettin and they were talking about Shermer, too. Joe Thomas loves Mike Pettin and thinks that he's yep. a really good coach. And they and were so talking about... Hawkins. Yeah, so did Hawkins. They were talking about when they were 7-4 and four that year after they beat the Atlanta Falcons, the game we were at. 
Um, oh, so we, there. They were seven and four. Seven and four. Like, it's so easy to forget that the Browns were seven and four like four years ago. Josh Gordon. That was Josh Gordon's first game back. Yeah. Remember that? Remember how exciting that was? Oh, my gosh. Then he missed a few more later on. It's just the like the incompetence. Like mm-hmm. we picked Mike Petten up off the scrap heap. Like he was probably a mistake. It was probably a mistake hiring him because we shouldn't have fired the guy before him. It was it Chud, well, I think. Yeah, well it we we went through the longest coaching search process ever. And it was like, hey, our one, two, three, four, five candidates all didn't work out. That was and the Chip we Kelly like, year or was the Chip Kelly the year before? No, I'm pretty sure it was the. It, I'm pretty sure it was the Chip Kelly Doug Marone year. Yeah, and it, I wasn't super excited about. Yeah. That hire. But I mean, he impressed people in the interview. But and he Joe did. Thomas but he did a good job. Like. He did a good job. He got us to seven and four, and then freaking Ray Farmer decided that Jimmy or Johnny Manziel needed to play. But that was also yeah, but that, what, that was also the old that model. The point. That was that, the old that, model of Brown's success, where we just patchwork veterans, and we're not in a good place for sustainable success. Like what? So that year, who was our best player? We make the joke all the time. I, I literally think Paul Kruger was. Like we, <laughs> Vince, Well, that was we had back then. We had like T.J. Ward. We had yeah. T.J. Uh, Ward that was, was good. the that was Joe Hayden's heyday. Yeah. yeah. Joe was in his prime. Our secondary. I miss that. Was when that secondary? Was Kwan Williams there forced a lot yeah. of turnovers. That was but back Kwan when Williams, Williams was good, young. He no, wasn't that good. He was. No, he was real good. He was a real good nickel, nickelback. Um, I don't know who our other corner was. I don't remember, but. Um, yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah, I would take I would take Mike Pettin back, but unfortunately, we went the other direction and we fired. He's the defensive coordinator for the Packers now. Did you guys see that? Oh, no, Browns, I did not. Browns coaches are getting hired everywhere. Uh, which like Shermer Shermer's going to the Giants which, hasn't he been out of the league for two years like yes. since since he got let yes. go from the Browns yes he was probably he was still a, under contract with the Browns so he was probably just cashing checks for not doing anything I love why not coaches do that. that's amazing that is exactly what I'd do I guarantee it that's what John Gruden's gonna do in four years when he gets fired from yeah. the Raiders for the next six years <laughs> he's gonna just cash ten years. million dollars it's gonna check. be three John Gruden after three years is gonna go back to Monday Night Football be making his base salary of $7 million on top of his salary of $10 million that he's getting from the Raiders, and he's going to be laughing his way all the way to the bank. And no one's going to not like him either. Like, everyone's still yeah, going to love John Gruden. Yeah, because he just Gruden. screwed over that, that doofus Mark Davis. <laughs> Mark Davis. With a dumb haircut. Mark Davis, a.k.a. John Gruden in 35 years. <laughs> um, so, anyway, like I was saying, we... There's still we, nothing... We need to let everyone in on the fact that there's nothing that brings us more joy than that particular <laughs> Mark Davis picture. Yes. Mark Davis's haircut is we me and Matthew were actually having an in-depth conversation about this the other day. What <laughs> like what what is he's a, he's not like his dad. Like it's not like no one feels like they can come up to him and talk to him about why his hair is cut the way he is. Like he's a dopey dude. Like I feel like on the street I could say anything to Mark Davis and feel fine. Like it's not like people are afraid of him. We right? saw him at the Super Bowl. Yes, you remember we, did. we walked past him and it was like it killed me that I didn't realize it was right after the game and ended. And I didn't realize who it was initially oh to like stop him and get a picture. Because it would have made my oh. life to get a picture with him at the Super Bowl. And Matthew, your theory is that Mark Davis is trying to simulate a hairline. I know, I think it is. I think it's his like simulation of a hairline. Some people do like a comb over. He just does yeah. the straightforward comb with yeah, the scissor like cut. cut. Yeah. yeah, you're exactly right. He, and it's so, right along the line of like a hairline. And I would love yeah, to see for, what his hairline actually the is. The shortest bangs you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> like that's what that's what Mark Davis is. It looks like a toddler who like took scissors to her hair. No, it looks like, <laughs> like her parents are mad at her. No, it looks like that like angry college girl with her hair dyed purple that's like the hostess at a restaurant. Uh-huh. That's like cut super short, and you like you like walk up to her and you're like, "I like a table for two. Sorry, like, <laughs> you're so pissed." <laughs> Is everything okay? Like, do you want to talk about it? No. Okay. <laughs> Listening to My Chemical Romance. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So when any one of us is having a bad day, if we just send the photo out of Mark Davis with that haircut, it makes us laugh like to no end every single time. We need to tweet it out, to be perfectly honest. We'll, like, we'll tweet it out, out tomorrow morning. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, anyway, we're steering the ship back on track. All right, like I was saying, we did not fire our head coach. Instead, we fired our front office. We fired Sashi Brown, but we got a lot of new hires. My question to you is we now have John Dorsey. We now have Alonzo Highsmith. We now have John Wolf. Elliot. Elliot. Elliot Wolf. Sorry. Um, would you guys trade all of these new veteran front office people who are very well thought of around the league, right? Like, mm-hmm. people think that the Browns made a good decision here. But we all have our own particular affinity for Sashi, or at least I do. Would you guys trade the front office that we have set up right now for the one that we had in the past? In a short answer, I would say no. Ideal situation is layering Elliot Wolf with our old front office. Yeah, I think it, it's. I'm very pleased with how this is all like played out. Like, given that we had to yeah. bring in a new front office, like I don't think you could craft a better one out on the open market than than what we've done. So, super pleased with John Dorsey. Super pleased that John Dorsey has found a way to make it work with Andrew Barry. Like, and mm-hmm. some of the people who are already there, I think that mm-hmm. is a positive sign more than, like, the random guys that he can convince to come here is that yeah. he, he's willing to work with, like, people and they're not be his guys. And you, but can't, like he can, you can't find a person who speaks negatively of Andrew Barry. Right. Like, um, I, that's I, true. I don't think I would make the trade only because I don't think Sashi did anything to get fired. Like I liked what he was doing and I would have liked decision around the quarterback is the only thing that you can point to, but that and was intentional the only reason he got fired. Yeah. But like at the end of the day, like when they had the press conference announcing everybody's hiring three years ago, like they said, it was going to be a three year project and oh, yeah. they didn't get to the end of three years. So I think you have to see them through because everything else was a positive sign. Um, so, so I would not make that trade, but I'm not disappointed with where we're sitting right now. Yeah, I, so, I, I agree. And, After the firing of Sashi, everything turned out about as good as it could have. Agreed. So I, the one thing I would say is I agree, Matthew. I am very um, positive specifically because he's managed to keep Andrew Barry and like Kovash and all those guys and Paul D. Podesta. And like D. Podesta seems like he's staying for more like, than this year. But we haven't. We have not heard that directly from Paul D. Podesta, and my concern is that we're going to get through one draft cycle, and things aren't going to be as rosy as like, they appear and right Andrew now. Barry and D. Podesta, and those guys are going to make their way out on. after the draft. Like, I don't think I'm going to truly be excited about like everybody getting along and being in the same room until they remain intact into next season. Like. Yeah. That's fair. I, I don't think we can really judge it at this point. That's fair. Um, and and I guess we'll see at that point. Um, I would just hate – I would hate to see. To I, I guess we'd still be fine. We'd still have a good front office with, with the people that we have in place. Um, I'm excited about Elliot Wolf. And he's young and – Kind of like well sought after. I don't know. You're making a face. Doesn't make. I'm me. making a face because I just saw a tweet. The Browns are in discussions with Mike Malarkey about the team's offensive coordinator position. Is this not the? Is this the Mary Kay Cabot tweet from this morning, or is this different? Well, Mary Kay wrote that this morning, but Pat McManaman just tweeted five minutes ago that they're in discussions, like actively talking <sighs> to him with Mike Malarkey. With Malarkey. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh well, I, don't I can, think I can get too excited right, about so that. All right, so here here's a question: If Malarkey comes on as our offensive he's coordinator, gotta veteran, he's got to call the plays. Do we want Hugh Jackson to call the plays, or do we want Malarkey <laughs> calling the plays? That's like the definition of stuck between a okay, rock here's and a the, hard Okay, here's place. the only good thing. Here's the only good thing. Mike Malarkey has a history of being one and done and being completely gone after one year. So hopefully he can be the. Where exactly. where was he? Where was he as a coordinator before he came to Tennessee? He was Tennessee's offensive coordinator for for a few years. He was the Jags head coach for one season. Well, he yeah, he was the Bills head coach, head coach for, for a season or two. He first, I looked this all his whole history up before we got on this podcast. He like first gained notoriety as the offensive coordinator for the Steelers back in like Antoine Randall L. Cordell Stewart years. Okay. Like early 2000s. So so we're talking like Jerome Bettis era still? Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, and then he got the Bills head coaching job. 
Yeah. And then it's kind of just been all over the place. Head coach for the Bills for two years, nine and seven, first year, five and 11 the second year. Right. He digressed. (laughs) (laughs) He digressed. Now, in fairness, like Mike Malarkey is probably a better offensive coordinator than he is a head coach, right? Like, he's not going to be an innovative play caller. Like, He's just gonna kind of be like average or maybe slightly above average at best. I mean, look at what Marcus Mariota was this year. Like Mariota was not who Marcus Mariota can be. Marcus Mariota exactly. threw a ton of interceptions. He's a great player, has so much potential, and was not utilized to his full potential throughout the season. And there's no one else to blame but the head coach. Anyways, okay. I don't think any of us are supportive of Malarkey being offensive coordinator, but uh, it looks like that. Honestly, might be I, I, I actually I will say that I would rather Mike Malarkey be our offensive coordinator and call the plays than Hugh Jackson. Could keep, you think so? I would what rather, about Sean Ryan? What about the oh, Houston? No, no, guy? no. I would say like the, if the alternate if it's like we have Mike Malarkey being the offensive coordinator and running the offense and calling the plays and Hugh Jackson is just the head coach and that's what he does. I would rather that than Hugh Jackson trying to do both and us be in the exact same situation that we were this year that clearly didn't work. We should not have lost every single game this season. Like, that was a coaching problem, I feel like. We had the talent level to win. I don't know what the statistic is, but it said that we... It was 3.3 wins. We should have had 3.3 wins projected at least based on everything that went down. And that loss of three wins, I think, is a coaching. So something needs to change. I would much rather have a different offensive coordinator. Don't get me wrong. Look, I don't – looking at Malarkey's resume, I mean, he was the Atlanta Falcons offensive coordinator from 08 to 2011. That wasn't exactly a team that was lighting the world on fire on offense. So I don't I don't no. see how you could look at Malarkey and be like – In Miami, too. Yeah. I don't, know, I don't know how these people keep their careers. Like it's like a career politician. It's like oh, he's man. Just like, once you've been around for long enough, once you, like, people think you just have this perceived. No, but idea. that's what I'm telling you is he has never been bad enough to be completely gone. He's always like middle of the road or a little bit above average, and people value the consistency. It's like a it's like the Jeff Fisher factor. It's the same thing. Man, the Titans are king of that. How have Malarkey and Jeff Fisher never worked together? Yeah, that would be perfect. Because then they then they would be bad enough to <laughs> completely get eliminated from the league. <laughs> Add Greg Williams in there, and you've got just the perfect staff. Um, okay, so when we were searching for ideas of things to do during this podcast, Michael had the idea that we would all do our own mock drafts. So yep. we went on FanSpeak, and the three of us all did our mock draft through the first three rounds. Um, so that's obviously a lot more picks than you would think it would be. Um, and it, it honestly, for me, it got me really excited. Like we have so many picks in the first three rounds that like, we're going to get a bunch of potential talent on this team, no matter what. Oh yeah. Like, Even if it, you like throw a dart at a dartboard and just pick randomly this, the Sashi Brown ideology of picking, like, it's like no one's better than anyone else at picking. So you just got to pick a lot of people. We're about to, um, so we, we all picked, um, through the first three rounds, and we're just going to go through, go through and compare, um, see who had the best draft. Uh, Matthew, do you have your draft pulled up? Who did you I pick? Do. Uh, round one, pick number one. So I will so, clarify that in this fan speak draft, you're not allowed to make any trades. So it will be all the original picks that we actually have. Um, yeah, and if, if the listeners haven't actually gone through and done this before, it's really fun. It's a mock oh. draft simulator that Fanspeak has. Like when the Browns have so many picks, you can choose different like draft boards that it'll use and all sorts of stuff. So for this um, exercise, we used Matt Miller's draft board just because it was updated a couple days ago. Yeah. There, Dane Brugler, who was on our podcast uh, you know, a couple months ago during the bye week, also has one. And when he updates it, we'll probably use his. Um, but – it's it's a lot of fun. You can do the whole draft if you want to. For this exercise, we're just going to do the first three rounds because we don't want to bore you that much. They, they yeah. have a free agency simulator too. Have you seen that? <laughs> it's like a manage the cap, and you like That's go through awesome. and you cut players from your team, and then you like go to re-sign your own free agents if you want to, and you have to like make them offers, and they'll they may or may not accept it. That's <laughs> hilarious. And then you go to like all of the free agents and it like simulates all the rest of the league. So it like updates you on like who got like franchised and whatnot. And then you make offers to your free agents and then like skip ahead a week and you see if they like accepted it or did you make a counter offer. And like, I just played around with it. If yeah. you actually did it 
like and were into it, it would take forever. (laughs) (laughs) No joke, you'd be there for an hour and a half. Because it's well, that like in depth. That, that's like, awesome. Get that far. Because whenever I was younger and used to play Madden all the time, that's that all you wanted to do. Literally the only thing I did in Madden. I did not play the games. I was very <laughs> bored by the gameplay. I just was a general manager. You simulated the games and you no. actively managed the offseason. <laughs> no, that's exactly what I did. Also, like fiddling with ticket prices. Is that to because make... you're a Browns fan? I think so. <laughs> I think so. I've been conditioned to only enjoy the front office process and the draft and the business of it. Because you really got to crunch the numbers the right way to make money as the Browns. Um, all right, so let's go through right. these drafts. Matthew, I also, what was your wait, first pick? I, I have a prediction, actually. I think that our first two picks will all be the same, all three of us. Go ahead, Matthew. Uh, I, th- I think our second pick will all be the same. I don't think that – I'm not so sure our first pick's all going to be the same. All right, with the first pick in the first round, the Cleveland Browns selected Sam Darnold in my Hey, pick. Matthews. All right, with the, with the first pick in the first round, the Cleveland Browns selected Sam Darnold in my draft. Okay, maybe the first two picks are all going to be the same. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Let's go. Really? Let's I'm go. kind of surprised because I'm not like 100% on the Sam Darnold train, but I do think he provides the highest upside. And I only am on board with us getting Sam Darnold with, under the understanding premise. that we are going under the premise that we are going to find a veteran quarterback yes. to play and start week one next season. And I'm, I'm on board with that too. I think that's the, the ideal step forward for the Browns is to get like an Alex Smith, a Sam Bradford, a fill in the blank, whatever veteran quarterback you want yeah. to put there who can play for two years. Cause Sam Darnold um, only played two years of college football. Like he's got yep. all the talent, like the highest upside, got but, some decision-making problems, but he, he probably needs a little bit of time to, to come. But together. here's, I, the I only reason now, Go ahead, I want to state it now, and I've said it before on Dane's pod. Yeah. The biggest thing to me with a quarterback is what the other people in the locker room think of him and his leadership and intangible mm-hmm. qualities. That's why I like Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield quite a bit. Yeah. But Sam Darnold has all of those things. There are question marks around Josh Rosen. I don't know the guy, so I'm not going to like judge him sitting where I do right here. But there's a lot more question marks on that side of things but also, for Josh Rosen than there are for Sam Darnold. There totally Sam is. Sam Darnold has those qualities from everything I've heard from anyone that's talked about the kid. But also, Josh Rosen flat out said, "I do not want to play for the Cleveland Browns." Like how he, he didn't like, actually say the he Browns. He said he said he'd rather land in a better situation and drafted later than an earlier situation in a worse position. And there were sources that said, said that he was the Browns. want to play for the Browns. He never uh, has directly he's never said, said that. Uh, well, that's who, why well, that's why I picked Sam Darnold and not um, all right, Josh who would, Rosen. Who would be, if it wasn't Sam Darnold, who would be your next quarterback taken? Would it automatically be Rosen? Yeah, mine would be Rosen. I'm scared about Rosen from the concussion and injury standpoint. From like a playing football standpoint, I probably would pick Rosen. But it... Oh, yeah. I See, might pick Baker. My thing is, I would pick Baker I'd trade Mayfield. Back, honestly, is what I would no, do. No, I would pick Baker Mayfield, except for the like idea of like getting good value in the draft compared to what the other teams value yeah. people as. And like, I you don't pick Baker Mayfield number one, even if you think he's the best quarterback that's there. I mean, I guess you do if you really confidently believe it. But if you can get more value for him, then you trade back and you wait to yeah. take him at four. At four and. You also trade back from number one and let the other two teams pick Josh Allen and um, Darnold, or not Josh Allen, uh, Josh Rosen. Or Josh Allen. They can or have Josh Allen. too. If that's what they want to do, then let them do it. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Number two. This one's probably going to be quick. With with the fourth pick in the first round, the Cleveland Browns select Minka Fitzpatrick. Minka Fitzpatrick. It's, it's a, <laughs> so this is a no-brainer, and I don't remember how my draft played out necessarily with the other players if it was Chubb or if it was Barkley. Saquon got who, picked. Who got selected third by the Colts. Saquon got picked by the Colts for me. But I don't see the Colts selecting a secondary player. The Giants are going to take a quarterback, I think. Um, Mink is going to be there. I think so Mink is going to be there unless somebody else trades up to get him. Which I So I, I – this doesn't make any sense. There's no way this is really going to happen. But Darius Geis got taken by the Colts instead of Saquon Barkley. That's amazing. Which makes no sense. <laughs> Um, but like, so in the scenario, you know, Fitzpatrick and Barkley are on the board at four. Right. And to me, it's still a no brainer. Like there is no doubt in my mind that Fitzpatrick is going to make a bigger difference on the Browns than Saquon Barkley would. Yeah. I yeah. call Darius guys, Darius juice. Every time. <laughs> Darius juice. Cause I just read, <laughs> I read his name so much. I'm always like, that's gotta be juice. 
Like, let's make that juice. And to All be right. clear, like, I don't think there's a way that the Browns can go wrong here. Like, if it's if it's Barkley, like, fine. If it's Chubb, like, he's going to help us. Like, yeah, it'd I, be I great think, to have another edge rusher. I, we need secondary help. Minka, John Dorsey yeah. loves extra edge rushers, too. Minka's like, by far the best secondary player, like, can fit a bunch of needs for us. I think that's the obvious but, pick. But if we go I mean, somewhere else, on. I'm not going to be Jalen Ramsey, A Jalen Ramsey that doesn't talk a bunch of trash? Yeah. Like, and, and is, like, a more upstanding dude? Does the same personality that, profile as Nick Saban? Like, yeah. come on. I don't know. A Jalen Ramsey that doesn't talk trash might be an inferior Jalen Ramsey. I kind of <laughs> like Jalen Ramsey's, like, attitude. Yeah, look at what he did to A.J. Green. He... I literally took him out of the game. All right, so I know we're people... all in on Minka. Okay, we're yeah. All Minka. No, we're all in on Minka, but the first two picks, the thing is if we get a good quarterback and a good – those are our two biggest holes. A good holes, defensive player. A good defensive player in the defensive secondary, those are our two biggest holes on the team. And I think if we – I think we have to pick Minka Fitzpatrick because that is the, – the two best overall players that are there at the time – and they fill our two biggest needs. Like, that, y'all, what are the what's the likelihood that y'all that we don't pick a quarterback with one of those first two picks? I think we trade zero. Back. zero. Only only if we like sign Kirk Cousins or, or trade something. back, and Probably then we would trade back. If we sign Kirk Cousins, but even still, I think you take one. Okay. I mean, maybe I would at least. All right, but oh, I I think it's unlikely. <clears throat> I don't think Cousins is going to want to come unless we throw a crap ton of money his way. Uh, but I think it's going to be a quarterback. Yeah, in the top four there. If we sign a huge name quarterback, then we Drew trade Brees. Back. Drew Brees. If we sign Drew Brees, we no, trade back. But then back. you'd have to draft a quarterback. Yeah, that's he's true. So old. All right, number three. So with the with the first pick in the second round, I have the Cleveland Browns selecting Isaiah Oliver, a cornerback from Colorado. Okay. Okay. Do you, do you know he much was, about him? He was a top corner on the board. Um. Matt Miller so has you're a picking for the, position, basically. Yeah, yeah. I, I like getting a corner. Uh, he was the 21st ranked player, I think, left on the board when, yep. when I picked him. I yep. didn't watch a lot of Colorado, so I don't know. But yep. I, li- I like the value and the position of need. Wait, what did you say he was on the board? 21. 21, okay. Nice. No, I really like the idea of taking a corner here. Um, my pick was between taking that same guy Isaiah Oliver or taking a running back and I went with the running back and I took Sony Michelle. Oh, my draft is about to murk yours then. Yeah, I know. Oh too. my goodness. My draft is so much better than yours. Oh. All right, so Mark, who do you got? Um, I picked uh Cortland Sutherland. I just Cortland love Cortland Sutton. Sutton, sorry. I just love the I, I hate I, that pick. I just love the idea I hate that pick. of having a huge wide receiver. The, I don't think that we can bank on having Josh Gordon. through the future like i like the idea of having multiple multiple i mean look at what the vikings have done this year i mean granted they're no name wide receivers but their wide receiver core is the reason why they're so good alongside their defense like i love the idea of we have all these picks use them to get good big offensive weapons furthermore hugh jackson loves to have a huge wide receiver that can just go up and get the ball and he just wants to toss in his four verticals offense up to a huge wide receiver that can go up and catch it no matter what that's what aj green was look at how yeah, productive me, he look at how productive he was if we have two of them with josh gordon and Cortland sutton on the field at the same time and then Corey coleman sliding underneath Cortland think, sutton reminds me of muhammad sanu like in Cincinnati too, just like the big bodied athlete. Cortland, if he was, if Cortland Sutton was that guy, I would agree with you. I don't think he's that guy. He looks like bus all is written all over him. Like when he played top notch competition at corner, like he got shut down. Like I do not think he has the competitive fire. I think he's got some of the like measurables. He's like the kind of guy. What's the kid from? He's like Brashad Perryman, to me. Like I really feel strongly that Cortland Sutton is not going to be a successful NFL wide receiver. All right, fair and, enough. I will say that I looked at his numbers, his tangibles, how tall and how big he was. I haven't watched a lot of SMU football, if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> watch. I don't. Tape. I don't watch, watch SMU football on Saturdays. And he like he looks really good against his inferior competition, but you don't see anything that's like wow, like he's unbelievable. I. The Blake Bortles I just think people are getting in love with how big he is, and that's yeah. about it. All right, so moving on. The great thing about the second round is we have the first and third picks yeah. in the second right. round. It's like pick two guys that you want, and they're Thank probably you. both going to be there. Thank you, Texans. So with the third pick in the second round, I have the Cleveland Browns selecting Christian Kirk, wide receiver, Texas A&M. Nice. Ooh. That fell for you. So which would be sweet. That would be he great. He wasn't available in mine. Yeah, I would have loved to have Christian Kirk there. 
So it it might be a stretch for him to be available, but he could be available at one of those top top of those second round picks. Yep. Um, and I think when we talked to Dane, we talked about him being a Sterling Shepard type. I think he is an ideal like slot receiver. I think he would add a ton to our offense. Um, I, th- I think if Corey Coleman doesn't develop, yep. like he could he could be a number two. If Corey Coleman develops, like that's a nasty mm-hmm. top three. Yeah, wide receivers oh, that yeah. you've got there and adds some versatility and just kind of that like gritty Steve Smith style like undersized no, like playmaking. I, I like him. No, I like him more than Cortland Sutton. I just wanted a wide receiver. Um, I picked. So who'd you take? There, I picked Mark? at that. I picked Malik Jefferson because he was still there, and I think that Malik Jefferson position and team linebacker from Texas. Linebacker from Texas. Yes, Malik Jefferson, who he's played outside linebacker at Texas, but I think that. He's got the size and he's got the instinct to play middle linebacker, and I think that he could be projected to be a middle linebacker. He's got the so speed. Do you want him to like just replace Joe Schobert? Like I don't know. If no, that makes I want. Or I, or I just want depth at our on our on our linebacker squad because this year that was one of our biggest problems was that our linebackers weren't deep enough, and we had to play Burgess for the entire second half of the season, and that was a huge travesty. And Malik is a really athletic linebacker that would add to our linebacking core, and I just think it would be good to have some depth there. And he was also, like, number 20 on the board, and it was I'm the second pick in the second see, round. Uh, while we're on linebackers, I'm pretty interested to see what John Dorsey does with our linebackers because I do think there needs to be a little bit of an upgrade, and we're pretty committed to those guys as far as, like, the deals that we gave to both Kirksey and Jamie Collins last offseason, and then Schobert's on his rookie deal. I mean, you talk no about to go away you him. talk about free players when you were talking about why the Jags were good. Joe Schobert Joe is the Schobert. definition of a free player. Like we have him, right. and he's been great. Like wasn't even starting; he was behind. Two well, more years, and he's going to be playing in the Pro Bowl. Yeah. So that brings you to my player. This and this was an interesting one. Not somebody I've like really like projected to the Browns, but he was sitting there and made sense more than anybody else that I could put in this spot round two pick Sam three. Hubbard Sam Hubbard the defensive end from Ohio State if he's there at the end at the beginning of the second round that's a no-brainer your your draft was all wonky I don't know, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what weird. you did I guess when you draft Darius Geis at number three like if people have to start falling in place but he was there and I couldn't think of a reason to not take him no like, you would you just... would you would have to I think at that point and that's and that's perfect I mean you'd be hard-pressed to find a Somebody who would nitpick that. Then we have a nice rotation at defensive end, and yeah, I feel like I I would feel strong about that. I feel like we have a really strong rotation in at defensive tackle. Like I don't, I don't care who's in at our defensive tackle position. I feel good about it. Right. It would be nice to have that at defensive end too, because we have a clear one and two at D end, and not behind that. There's a huge fall off. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So so now is the longest wait. For a draft pick so far, it we felt, have to wait till the thirty-first pick. Felt like forever of the second round. I know it really did take a long time to render. Well, uh, that's assuming that that's where the Eagles fall. Yeah, so so it's a projection. Yeah, it true. Could be, so it could, could be, be anywhere as high as, high as, high as twenty-nine, probably. Well, twenty-nine, yeah, because their record. Uh, but with the thirty-first pick in the second round, I have the Browns taking Sony Michelle, running back out of Georgia. Ooh, Mine's, better value than me. Yeah. Much better. Your draft was all kind of wild. All right, and round two, pick 31. Okay, now this is just something I wanted to talk about. I couldn't pass this up. I wanted to say this on the pod. I picked Hercules Mata'afa. Hercules. <laughs> that dude's legit. Hercules Mata'afa. I don't know anything about who is He's that. Washington so, State defensive he, tackle. Yeah, or defensive end. He's an edge rusher, really. Oh, okay. like, he, is, he only weighs about like 260 pounds. He's pretty big. He's pretty fast, and he's Samoan, so you know it can't be he's a bad call. He's just a call. monster Samoan man named Hercules. Which, okay. I mean, so how can you pass I'm not going to lie. I picked him he for the Danny name. Danny Sheldon would just be, like, wrecking havoc. I don't know. I picked him for the name. They have the most epic celebrations on sex, like some sort of, like, Samoan dance or something. It would yeah. be incredible. Right. Hercules is badass as I'll get out, first of all, but Mata'afa is also a sweet last name. Like... <laughs> Okay, so I picked Her- I picked Hercules Matafa. Get an edge rusher in there for the exact same reason as you cited earlier, Michael. So I went with wide receiver here because I still haven't taken a wide receiver, and I do yeah. agree with you both that we need a receiver. So I took Deion Kane from Clemson at this spot. I like that. Who's super athletic, like big body. Like I like that dude. I just feel like it's 
similar to what you were going to get from like a Martavius Bryant. Like that's if I yeah. could compare him to anybody, like that's kind of what I would put him in the same mold as. Um, so that seemed to make sense here with, from a value standpoint at the end of the second round. Wait, so Michael, have you picked a cornerback yet? A corner? No. Yeah. Okay. No, neither of you, right? No, I haven't either. Yeah. Uh, all right, Matthew, you're up. First pick in the third round. So first pick in the third round, last pick that I'm projecting There's only here. two picks later. Yeah, two yeah. picks later. Um, this is for all the, the Ohio State homers. I've got linebacker Jerome Baker, which is uh, for anybody who doesn't follow Ohio State. He's kind of a – he's like 6'1", 225, athletic, probably more like a cover linebacker, Chris Kirksey type cool. um, player, athletic – Projected around like a four five five. So, so you didn't pick um, an edge rusher. No. Okay. No, no edge rushers. But we need that linebacker this, depth. I like him. He's like the opposite yeah. of James Burgess. So I'm with you, Matthew. Like this is the spot in the draft where I am comfortable getting depth at linebacker. Like Mark, I think I'm a little. It's too early to for you to take that other dude at the beginning of the second Malik, round. Malik Jefferson. But yeah. He's a top twenty prospect. Like uh, on a lot of boards. Like he dropped like crazy. Which okay. is which is the reason why I took him. Okay. It was just so like I'm not passing this up. Um, I have in the value of all values, Sony Michelle, Georgia, third nice. round, first overall pick. It's really not that much more added value than what so we Matt, have. We have really, three of the same picks, like not at the same. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. really not that much more value than what Matthew got, but it's only two picks later. But I still feel great about it. I think honestly, we just signed him for one less year on his rookie deal. Yeah. So for a running back, you may want to may want to pick him two two picks earlier. Pick Michael, when no, did, when... no, second round and third round is the same rookie deal. Is it? Yeah. Is it same it's line? only first and second round that's different. First okay. round gets an extra like year option for the team, and oh. the rest are just all four year deals. Michael, when did you pick Sony? Uh, the beginning of the second round. So the thirty okay. third pick. That's funny. I, got I mean, and I'm pretty certain he's going to be the third pick in the draft. Like when we get closer to the, the third draft, running he's going to be the third running back. Like, yeah. it's going to be Barkley, Geis, and Michelle. Like, I'm almost positive. And Michelle might even go before Geis. Yeah, but I got – the thing is, is I got him at 65. Pete, Pete Smith will fight so. you over that. <laughs> Pete, Pete Smith is all in on Darius Geis. Pete Smith can fight me. That's fine. But, like, everyone's I think Pete gonna Smith look... would beat your ass. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know who I, I – Here's my take. Everyone's going to look at Alvin Kamara and want to replicate that. And to me, Sonny Michelle has those traits much yeah. more than any other running back in this draft. The one hesitation that I had was that Sonny Michelle and um, Duke Johnson are too similar. But Sonny Michelle's huge. Like, he's a big he's, he's guy. Sonny Michelle can be an every down back. Like, he's he just really, never been He really can way. be. And that's why, that's why I went ahead and picked him anyway. But All right, Michael, who was your... So I went with the corner here. I went with Anthony Averett from Alabama. I thought about picking him. I like him. I w- so I actually did another draft just for fun, and I just like loaded up on corners because it would be so great if we picked Minka at four and then two of our three second-round picks were corners, like quality, good value picks, not reaching just to like fill a position of need. Yep. There's so many good corners in this draft. We can take, what, take what was our like utter weakness – and just our secondary would just automatically not maybe not the rookie year because rookie corner struggle, but in a year or two, just be freaking dominant. And that's what Dane said was that this was one of the deepest cornerback drafts that he's seen in a really long time. Yeah, to me, I just th- I, even just watching him in the national championship game, you could see what kind he's of a good. player Anthony Averett is. Like he was coming up on the line of scrimmage, he was making plays in coverage, like he was all over the place. He's played three years at Alabama, and that's what Nick Saban like coaches. He coaches up his secondary players. Yeah, like that's his background. That's what he does. He just so, pumps them out. That that is really funny that all three of us had three of the same players picked in the first three rounds. Um, that's awesome. So, uh, it was my first three players: Sam Darnold, Minka, and then Sony Michelle. Yeah, I squeaked Sony into pick sixty-five, but. Uh, the th- the one thing that stood out to me when I was making this, doing this draft, and I think if you're listening and you haven't done it, go on Fanspeak and do it because it's just absurd to realize how much talent we're going to be able to acquire during this draft, um, and be able to get the people that we really want. That was the first 65 picks that we just 
went yeah. through. Yeah. So everyone and we all... get to make we get to make a pick every ten selections. Yeah. Basically. So, so we get six people. Everyone else gets three. We get it's two drafts for us, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's phenomenal. We we get and to we pick get another... six people before the Texans pick one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. And the Texans are bad, and so are we, and we're about to be a lot better than them. The Texans aren't that bad. Once they get healthy again, they'll be all right. But still. All right, that was fun. I say we like put this same idea on hold and do it again a little bit closer to the draft and see where we're lining up. I agree. Maybe one more time yeah. before the draft. There'll be, be there'll be a refining of the boards to uh, where they'll actually be closer to than right now. Sony Michelle getting picked at pick sixty five, and also Fanspeak's algorithms probably aren't the most optimal. But it's still a really fun exercise. Um, I would like to take this time to thank our sponsors. Um, as we're wrapping up, um, we are going. We recently got sponsored by Barbasol. Um, as you know, Michael, do you use Barbasol to shave every single day? Um, I do. I trim around my beard with Barbasol. It does a really good job. Yeah, just on the edges, right there. Yep. It's mm-hmm. a nice. L- oh, it's so thick. It's not like other shave gels you use. Um, but they, but they don't just have shave gel. Um, Barbasol, the brand America trusts for a close, clean shave, now has razors, premium disposable razors. With an advanced pivoting head and ultra-thin blades, you're looking good, America. Uh, Barbasol sponsors our podcast, and we'd like to thank them. They are super great to us. Michael secured that sponsorship. We appreciate you, Michael. Yeah. And uh, though we joked about it at the beginning of the pod, do not drink Barbasol. We do not, we do not yeah. condone that. Uh, this is not the Tide Pod Challenge or whatever like, no, stupid crap is going on. I, I saw this uh, tweet, um, and it was Tide just hired Rob Gronkowski as, um, to be a sponsor for them. And so Gronk went in and put out a tweet. It was a video of him saying, like, don't eat Tide Pods. Don't do it. <laughs> like, eating Tide Pods is dumb. Like, should you eat Tide Pods? And it says, no. He's like, don't do it. Tide Pods are for cleaning laundry, not eating. And the tweet was like, I give it about a 40% chance Gronk misses a game for eating a Tide Pod. <laughs> Which I, that would just be gold. That would be it, gold. it just was so curious. Yeah, he was like, he's like, they paid me to say not to eat Tide Pods. Why shouldn't I eat Tide Pods? Maybe I should eat Tide Pods. Uh, so anyway you're absolutely right Matthew don't drink Barbasol use it to shave your face it'll give you a nice clean shave nice clean shave do drink this is free Pabst Blue Ribbon it's delicious (laughs) (laughs) my favorite beer Um, All right, thanks so much for listening guys Um, like I said at the beginning of the podcast we're going to be coming back um, every other week so we'll be back in two weeks hopefully there will be just as much Browns news as there was since the season ended Um, we'll be right before the combine I think It'll be after the Senior Bowl, right before the Combine. Yep. There we go. That'll be exciting. We'll have a lot to talk about. So tune in, um, not next Monday, but the week after. Um, we'll be recording the podcast, and it'll be out Tuesday morning. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everybody. We so appreciate you guys. Um, you're the reason we do what we do. Not really. We actually just love it a lot. Um, but <laughs> thanks for listening. Um, thanks, as always, to the Tokyo computers that keep listening. We really appreciate you. Um, and we'll see you two Mondays from now. Thanks, guys. Go Browns. Thank you.